Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 12, the most important thing you can ever know. Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to Changeable, a podcast about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. And now, here's your host, Dr. Amy Johnson. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Changeable. How do you like my compelling titles? The most important thing you can ever know. I know. It's like, wow, what is she going to say? Edge of your seat, I'm sure. And you know, it's not just a compelling title. I'm kind of serious. <laughs> I really think this stuff is like, I mean, I know it's totally life-changing. It completely changed how everything in the world looks to me. And I've, I've seen it do that for so many people. But what I want to share in this episode really is like huge to know. So I want to talk about my absolute favorite metaphor, and I'll get to that in a minute. But what that metaphor really kind of shows us is is this thing that it's not really something we know. So it's not a fact. It's not some some piece of information that I'm going to give you. But it's it's giving us kind of a feel for something, a sense of something that's in there. And that the more we have that sense of it, oh my gosh, I mean, things just start to change in, in gigantic ways. Because again, remember, like change is wanting to happen. Everything that I talk about in this podcast is about the way that our nature is already working. No input needed, no manipulation needed, nothing you have to do or manage. It's looking toward how things are already working. Look at kids. They have not learned all kinds of messed up stuff that leads them to innocently get in the way of their own health and resilience and change. So they're largely not in the way of those things. And we look at them and say, oh, to be a kid, they don't have to pay bills. That's why they're so happy. Oh yeah, they don't have to work yet. That's why they're so happy. They haven't had their hearts broken. That's why they're so happy. But that's not why they're so happy. (laughs) They're so happy because they're just in life, in life, living in the moment of things, going with their nature rather than innocently, innocently living from within their heads, going against their nature, trying to find a way back to their nature, which they never really lost to begin with. It's it's a mess. So, but it's our mess, you know, it's a human mess. I'm never at all saying this like we've done something wrong. I mean, literally all of us are in this together. We've all grown up and kind of gotten into our heads a little bit and things have become harder than they need to be. And that's okay because now we're just looking at another way, you know, looking and see, oh yeah, that's what I forgot. That's what I've been kind of working over and willpowering and disciplining over all this time. It's still at work. So let me, uh, let me get a little less vague for you here. So there's a distinction that has popped up in Uh, all of these episodes so far, I'm sure, and pretty much everything I do and say. And it sounds a few different ways. There are many ways that I've talked about it. Um, But basically, I think we can say it's a distinction between what's stable versus what's always changing. So what's stable, and in episodes maybe two, three, four, I'd probably talk about this a lot more explicitly in a, in a way like this that you might recognize. What's stable 
is us, <laughs> is who we really are, our essence, our default state, our innate health, our out of the gate, out of the box, like this is our blueprint. This is how we come. So there's an us in there that never, ever, ever, ever changes. That us is full of everything that we're out there looking for. So it's full of quiet. It's full of peace. It's full of resilience and new ideas, billion dollar ideas, practical ideas. This isn't about, you know, just sitting in peace. I mean, it is the most practical thing I've ever touched in my life. So it is full of everything we need and it's and it's us. <laughs> We're made of it. We cannot possibly be separated it from it. It's never gone anywhere our entire lives. So it is basically our essence. When you look at yourself, you look at pictures of yourself as a child, you can see, wow, I don't know that person. I don't look anything like that. I don't think anything like that. I don't feel anything like that. My opinions and preferences are completely different than that little person's, yet you know it's you. And that's what I'm talking about, that you, whatever that is, as hard as it is to define, that's why I use so many words and just kind of point to it, but there's a you, there's an us in there, and it never, ever changes. And then on the flip side, so setting up a distinction, that's that's on the one hand. On the other hand is what's always changing, always. And that's everything else. <laughs> everything that isn't of that essence is always changing. So again, in some of the earlier episodes, I really talked about this a lot in terms of our psychology. And it's not just our psychology. I mean, it's anything of form, essentially. So things in the world, things out in nature, the chair that you're sitting on, always changing. Now, our mind will look at things and see them as stable and fixed. When we look, um, not nature so much, but when you look at the chair that you're sitting on, it probably looks pretty similar to how it looked yesterday. And it might look, I'm sure it will look like that for most, if not all of your life. So it's very easy at first glance to look at things of form and say, oh, they don't change. And it's really, really easy to look at ourselves and our psychology, our thoughts, our feelings, our preferences, our habits, our addictions, our anxiety, and to say, okay, maybe they change a little, but no, I've, I've been in this habit for five years and I've been miserable the whole time. Or I've been feeling this anxiety with this depression for 10 years and it sucked the whole way through. We talk like that, you know, and that's okay. <laughs> it's you know, our, our brains don't need to get bogged down in, in the specifics. So it's okay that we kind of generalize. And, and that is our experience. When someone says to me, I've been in this habit for seven years and I've been miserable for seven years, they aren't lying. That is their experience. But it's also not true because everything that's not our essence is always changing, always in flux. So again, let's go back to the physical. We all know our body's always changing. I mean, you know, obviously over the course of a lifetime, it goes through crazy changes, but even in the course of a day, our cells are constantly 
constantly changing, right? So we literally have a different body from moment to moment. The chair you're sitting on, there's all kinds of sciencey stuff happening inside that chair. <laughs> Molecules are moving around. I don't understand it either, but there's stuff happening and totally untouched. If we went back to that chair a hundred years from now, it's going to look different. It's going to be a different chair. So stuff of form is constantly changing. And Stuff of psychology, which is another kind of form. It's a little weird to talk about it like that because you can't hold a feeling in your hands, but it is something that we experience in that way that is always changing also. So again, when that person says, no, I've been in this for this long and this is just the way it's been, that is their experience, but that's their their mind's generalized experience of it. Look under the hood just a little bit. If we just go one layer down, they have not been in anything for seven years. That's not even possible. It's not possible. Moment to moment to moment, new thought and feeling and experience are moving through us, being brought to life and then being washed away and leaving us truly, truly blank. And I mean that in a positive way. (laughs) I know blank maybe doesn't sound like the best word in the world, but leaving us fresh and untouched back to our essence, back to that part of us that doesn't change. And then new psychology comes up, new thoughts and feelings and behaviors, and they're brought to life and they wash away. Now, it doesn't look like this because again, we're not at that level most of our lives. And that's wonderful. We cannot handle that level of of change and complexity and seeing things like there's really good reason. Our design is incredible. There's excellent reason that our minds generalize and stereotype. There's a lot of downsides to that, but there's a lot of upsides to it as well. So I'm just saying, hey, have a working brain. Like, like it's okay to generalize and say, I've been, you know, starving all morning or I've been in this habit for three years. It's okay to say that. We all know what that means. And it's really, really amazing to see that it's actually not true. That when we look a little bit deeper, we are feeling thought and feeling brought to life within us moment to moment to moment. Because think about it. The minute we say, I, you know, I've, I've been, I've been hating my job for a year and I don't know what, what to do instead, or I've been drinking way more than I want to, or caught up in some other habit way more than I want to be for five years or six years or 20 years. The minute we say that, we follow it up with, I'm so stuck. But we aren't stuck. Our mind is stuck. <laughs> you know, when we generalize it, it, like anybody would hear that and say, yeah, you're stuck. But when we look a little deeper where we aren't used to looking, we're not stuck. We're constantly getting new stuff coming up. Now, it might be the same stuff that came up yesterday. So I get, again, I get where it can feel like, well, that's not new. If a lot, very often in my day, I'm getting waves of anxiety, or if very often in my day, and I'm speaking for myself at times in the past, if very, very often in my day, I'm getting these overwhelming urges to go numb out and eat a bunch of food or do something else that's not good for me. How can you say that's brand new and fresh? I hear you. And it's brand new and fresh in every moment. And at the same time, 
we have a brain that is extremely efficient. It has a lot to do and it's very efficient and it's very habit oriented, you know, and and very survival based. And so we do get a lot of that same stuff, especially when our brain has it confused with survival and needing it. And it's kind of caught up in the lower brain part of us. We will get a lot of the same experience over and over again. And that doesn't mean that we're stuck in it. And it doesn't mean that it isn't constantly refreshing and recycling and coming up new in each and every moment. And to kind of hold that paradox, seeming paradox, it really isn't. Both are true. Both are true. Kind of hold that and and see how what that expands for us. You know, like, yeah, I have the same, let's say, recurring worry over and over. It keeps on showing up, but it also goes away and then it comes back <laughs> and then it goes away. But what's there when it goes away? Like, what are we left with? What's never changing? Because when we can see more about that, we naturally start looking there more. We naturally, naturally, you don't have to do this. Naturally, when you see more about that, your gaze will go there. Like your focus, your your consciousness will go there when you know that that's true of you and that's always there. And it will naturally get a little bit less interested or wrapped up in or identified with the part that's always changing because it doesn't make sense to identify with what's always changing. It's always changing. (laughs) There's no stability there. It can't be you. It can't be anything worth hanging your hat on or calling yours or any of that. It's constantly in flux. So let me tell you about my absolute favorite metaphor ever. And, um, This will probably change at some point, but for the last, I don't know, year or two, it's been my favorite. I was in a yoga class, um, you know, maybe a year and a half ago. And I heard my teacher say, as I had heard him say many, many times before, to establish a drishti. So a drishti, he said, is a gazeless gaze towards something in the room that's not moving. So if you aren't a yogi, you might not be familiar with this, but a drishti is essentially something you establish, as my teacher says, but something you you kind of look toward to help with balance. So if you are in tree pose or you're in bird of paradise, you need balance because these are hard poses. Now, even balanced, I'm doing air quotes with my hands, even quote unquote balanced we're never still, right? Like, like we're, we're swaying, we're falling and catching ourselves, falling and catching ourselves. But your falls get a little less extreme and your catches get a little quicker, the more kind of balanced you are. And, you know, even if you've never done yoga in your life, I'm sure you can imagine that if you're trying to balance in a pose that's really kind of tricky and, and you're falling all over the place, you're going to have much more natural balance If you're looking towards something in the room that's not moving. So you don't want to stare at the person in front of you who's also falling. So again, all the yogis listening know exactly what I'm talking about. When you're in a pose and you're holding it for a while, a balanced pose, you're holding it for a while and someone off to the right or left of your, in your peripheral vision begins to sway, what happens? You start swaying too. You're not even looking at them necessarily, but it's like the idea, you know, comes to life in our mind of, oh yeah, falling and suddenly we're falling. It's just crazy how our mind works like that. So 
you know, balance is, is much improved when you have what they call this drishti or a gazeless gaze towards something in the room that's not moving. It centers you, you know, it grounds you, it balances you. And this is true in yoga and this is true in life. So think about what we do when we feel stuck or we feel lost or confused or really caught up in all kinds of stuff. What most of us innocently do first, let's say, is look for something to fix it. (laughs) We don't like this feeling. This is wrong. This is a problem, we think. This is all old paradigm language we've been given. There's a problem. Something's wrong. I need to fix it. So we look out at the extremely busy world and we ask for advice. We ask someone, what would you do? What should I do? What would you do? Or we jump on Google and we Google it. We find a YouTube video to fix this problem that we have. We are out of balance and we're only out of balance in our own thinking because that's the only thing that can be out of balance. Us, that real us, that essence, it's unchangeable, right? There's no, no such thing as balance. Balance is a concept that doesn't apply there. It doesn't change. It's always clear, always stable, always full of answers, always quiet and knowing. The lack of balance that we humans experience, again, in our, not in yoga anymore, but just in our lives, is always the only thing it can be. It's our psychology. It's the part that's in flux all the time, that's moving all over the place. And sometimes it's moving so much and we're trying so hard to nail it down and grab something that we can believe in that feels safe that we're like, no, it's just not happening. I'm completely out of balance. So innocently, we look out to the world, which is also very busy and constantly moving, and we try to find an answer out there. And it throws us more off balance much of the time. Not always. Sometimes we ask advice of a person who's pretty grounded and points us in a direction and we see that. And it's wonderful when that happens. And sometimes it doesn't. So, you know, it's not all bad, but it's kind of hit or miss. So we either look out at the busy world or we look inward at our own busy mind, not inward at the part that's not moving, but inward at all of our thinking. Oh, I think this, but then I think that. Which should I believe? What do I do? Or I keep having these thoughts. How do I stop them? How do I slow them down? We're in the wobble, basically, trying to sort it all out from within that wobble, trying to figure it out from in what's always moving already. And it never, ever really works that way. So think about this, Drishti. Now, when when we know that there's something, again, in the room, in yoga, so in yoga, they say, look towards something in the room that's not moving. But in our lives, it's like, just look inward toward what's not moving. It balances you. And, and we do see things from that place in part because, you know, in part because I think that place is just where all of that wisdom and good ideas and clarity lives, but also in part because we're now no longer staring at what's in flux and going crazy in our own heads. It's like just looking away from the yogi in front of you who's falling out of bird of paradise, you're going to be better off just by looking away from that mess. And that's what we do when we say this, this, you know, all elusive look inward. 
that's where we're what we're looking toward. Just something in there that's stable, that's grounding. A drishti is also the other piece of that. Establish a gazeless gaze, they say, towards something in the room that's not moving. The gazeless gaze part, I love that because it's not a rigid stare. It's not, okay, really quick, find something that's not moving and stare at it, nail it down, you know, like just keep it right there. It doesn't have that hard manipulation to it. It doesn't have that edge of, I need this, that urgency, that fear. It's a gazeless gaze. We're staying fluid. We're staying fluid. We're staying open. Just like when you're trying to balance in a pose. Again, I'm sorry if you don't do do yoga and this makes no sense, but I think it makes sense to everyone, right? Like you don't go into tree pose and lock your knees and lock everything in your body and try to be stiff as a board. That's never going to work. You are balanced, but at the same time, you're fluid, you're soft so that you can fall and catch yourself, fall and catch yourself, which is what balance really is. So this gazeless gaze, it's soft. As soon as we have a rigid stare, our peripheral vision narrows, right? Our aperture for life or visually, whatever, narrows, it closes. When we have a soft, gazeless gaze, we can see more. Our aperture opens. And it's the same in what we're talking about. So it's not like, what do I do and how do I do it? It's like, oh, there's something in there that's not moving. Oh, I see my issues are my psychology and they're always in flux and they'll always move away. So it's just such a beautiful spot on, like just amazing metaphor for, for this new paradigm, for how humans work and how change works and what we can come to see about ourselves and and more importantly, sense about ourselves. Again, because like I said, it's not it's not a fact you learn. Oh yeah, there's a you in there, there's an essence. Like that, that's not surprising to anyone. And just hearing that does nothing for us. It's establishing a gazeless gaze toward that. Like sensing it, feeling it, knowing it's in there. It grounds you so you can think and feel and do all kinds of wacky human stuff. And who cares? It's moving. That part's changing. That's not where we're focused. So in my um, obsession, let's say, (laughs) a year and a half ago in a yoga class when it clicked after I had heard Drishti as a gazeless gaze towards something that's not moving, you know, thousands of times. I just like saw it like, wow, that's exactly what I teach. That's exactly what we're doing here. So, um, so the obsession started. And so I, I did some research and just looking at like the Sanskrit definition of Drishti and some of the more ancient meanings. And it's all about wisdom and intelligence and truth. And I want to read you something. I just want to read something that I found online about this. So this is a, a Sanskrit definition of Drishti. Our eyes can only see objects in front of us that reflect the visible spectrum of light, but yogis seek to view an inner reality not normally visible. Yes, right? Let's taking a pause from what I'm reading here. So yes, what's normally visible is our own super loud, super emotional psychology, our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. We're looking towards something deeper that's not normally visible. Okay, back to reading. We become aware of how our brains only let us see what we want to see, a projection of our own limited ideas. 
Often our opinions, prejudices, and habits prevent us from seeing unity. Drishti, I'm sorry, I'm getting excited. Drishti is a technique for looking for the divine everywhere and thus for seeing correctly the world around us. Used in this way, Drishti becomes a technique for removing the ignorance that obscures this true vision, a technique that allows us to see God in everything. See God in everything, because that's what's there beneath our psychology. That's the part that's not moving. That's what we see. That's just what we see when we aren't as caught up in what is always moving, (laughs) in what is so visible. It's not our fault. I mean, our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors are so visible. It's what everyone looks at and talks about and points to and calls us. And it's what we've always called us. It's so obvious that we would get caught up there, but it's so huge and life-changing. And see, one of the most important things you could ever hear to, to sense what's beneath that, to look past it, to look in another direction. So a drishti is a way to know the truth, to see clearly. It's a way to stay grounded and balanced and not so dizzy. And I love it. <laughs> I love this metaphor. I love what it shows us about how we work as humans. You know, whenever we are confused or dizzy, we're just looking at something that's moving. That's all. We're just staring at the person in front of us who's fallen out of their pose. We don't have to do that because there's another place to look. Thank you for listening to Changeable. If you're enjoying this podcast, please let me know. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review so that others who need change can find their way here. And if you're listening to this episode as it's just gone live, so on or around October 1st, Head over to changemasterclass.com to catch my brand new, totally free four-part video series called Change That Sticks, How to Achieve Lasting Freedom from Habits and Anxiety Without Relying on Willpower. The four-part video series is totally free and people are loving it. I'm so happy about that. It's only going to be live until Thursday, October 4th. So head over there today and check it out. Again, that's changemasterclass.com.